A quick tip from our sponsor, Trumi. One of the best ways to help kids learn to use cell phones in a healthy way is to model healthy smartphone habits ourselves. You can be intentional, set boundaries, and make a usage schedule for yourself. Then talk to your child about how they can do the same. Talk to them about what makes sense for them in using their smartphone. And if you want amazing support in helping your child develop those healthy habits, get a Trumi phone so you can set up appropriate access to everything on the phone right in the parent portal. Trumi lets you guide your child in learning to use smartphones in a safe and healthy way with plans that grow with your child. You can learn more at Trumi.com and use the code MIGHTYPARENTING, all in caps, to get half off a phone through November 30th. And if you want to know more about my thoughts and how you can use Trumi, just send me an email at connect at mightyparenting.com. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, the podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast. Our conversation today is with John Sobic. John is a speaker, motivator, author, therapist, and coach who's joined us before. He was actually on episode 171, where we talked about coming out. Well, today he is joining us to talk about hope for the holidays, because most people I talk to, when I say holidays, I get stress reactions, and John's got some great ideas for dealing with that. So John, welcome back to Mighty Parenting. Thanks. It's so great to chat with you again. And isn't it weird that this holiday season, you know, holiday season of light and family and celebration, all this over the years has turned into such a stress inducing experience for so many people. Yes, absolutely. I, back when I first got married, I always share the story when I do talks um, my husband and I, our first Christmas together, my number one memory from that Christmas is standing at the top of the stairs in our colonial. He's at the bottom and I'm just yelling at the poor man because I'm losing it from all the stress that was surrounding us. And he had no idea what was going on or that I was even stressed or all of these things that I had made up in my head that we had to do. It was craziness, you know, and 30 years later, I don't do that anymore. But Mm -hmm. at the time, yeah, even though I loved Christmas and I still, I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. Those are my holidays, but it doesn't matter what the holiday is. There's so much, there's a family and the gifts or people who don't celebrate Christmas who feel overrun by it. I mean, so, so many things. And so there is that, that time piece, right? I just talked about with me, but I'm curious, John, what are you seeing besides time? besides just too much to do, what are you seeing that's stressing people out? Well, I think what you just shared actually kind of points out one of the number one things that happens to a lot of people is what I call the rules and regulations of the holidays. Um, A lot of times people are either trying to recreate a long list of traditions that they learned from their family, or they're trying to create a reparative holiday and fix all the things that they wished had happened in their holidays when they were growing up. And I think we set the expectation and the bar so incredibly high. And that's fed by media, by shopping, by all of the world around us, 
that we kind of lose track of, well, why are we all getting together to celebrate anyways? And I think those expectations, once again, get raised, the bar gets raised so high that it's it's actually impossible for any of us, uh, any of us to live up to that idea of the quote unquote perfect holiday. I like the term the perfect holiday. And you you talked about that. And especially, I think, especially in that reparative idea, I think that if we're in that mode of like, I didn't have this stuff growing up or things were always so tense or money was so tight or we didn't get to see the whole family or I was overrun by the whole family and we need time with just immediate family. I think that that vision that we create is so harmful. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is we are creating a vision and usually in those like imagined dream versions of things, we're setting the perfect holiday, you know, the Hallmark, you know, channel movie holiday with the lights and the snow coming down and the sleigh ride. And those visions don't actually always take into account that we're very real people who have very real families. And it's, it's, it's not going to be that pristine. Sometimes it's going to feel a little bit down and dirty. And if we can find ways to walk ourselves away from those visions of perfection, then we can actually start to create a holiday that we enjoy based on what's happening now, who we are now, and what we want this celebration to be. Well, how do we do that? I mean, we have this vision and oftentimes we've been carrying it around for years. And I just realized, as I said that out loud, not only do we have this vision, but we're imposing it on other people. Like I said, with my husband, he had no idea this vision I had in my head. We didn't talk about what we wanted <laughs> right. to do. I just went, well, this is what your family did. This is what mine did. Therefore, we must do all of it. Right. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. So we come up with this, this dream and we impose it on other people. And then other members of our family have their own dreams. So mm-hmm. what do we do with this? Well, I think you just actually gave the number one clue. What do we want our holidays to be this year? You know, I'll give an example for what's going on in my life. We're actually in the, in the midst of a really big remodel. Our, we're actually not living in our house right now. And so holidays have been a big thing for us. We host the family Hanukkah party. We host the Christmas party. We have a big cookie baking party. All of those things have been tradition in our family unit for quite a few years now. Well, we're not going to be able to make that happen this year. So what we've had to do is sit down and say, okay, well, what do we want our holidays to be this year? Because they're going to be different. And rather than feeling disappointed that we're not going to be able to do all the things we always do, we've set up some different ideas of how we want to play this holiday season. And that gives us the freedom now to create something new that's going to work with the scale of our life as it is right now. So right now, you could sit down with your family and have a conversation about what you want your holidays to be. Do you want your Hanukkah to be like a big celebration? Or do you want it to be something small? Do you want it to be in home? Do you want it to be something you get away for? You're looking at Christmas. Do we want our Christmas to be something that's much more community-based this year? Do we want it to be family-based? Do we want it to be big family-based? Sitting down together as a unit, or just with yourself and saying, what do I want it to be this year is the first step to manage that anxiety. So rather than feeling you have to fulfill all of these lists and rules of holidays past, 
you can sit down and create your own new version of the holiday for this year. And even if it's not for this year, because we are on top of Thanksgiving, right? And then all of the December holidays. So it might not happen exactly this year, but starting that conversation with your family. And I think even verbalizing the idea that, you know, just because we've been doing whatever we're doing doesn't mean we have to continue. You might be able to at least make some tweaks for this year and you might decide to make a wholesale change next year. You might decide mm-hmm. that you're going to go away for the entire month of December, or you want to get even more friends together or more family together. But having that conversation, I think, is the great place to start. And I love, John, that you said, have it with yourself because there's you and other people, right? But, but mm-hmm. taking a little time and going, why? Why do I do this? Why do I? think I have to do this? Why do I really want this? And what do I get from it? That was one of the keys that I found working with women is that when we take it to the, to that, why, and what do I get? You find that you're more open to other people's ideas because there could be 10 other ways to still get what you want and need, but not necessarily Mm -hmm. have to do the same thing. Well, and when you put it in those terms for myself, I know one of my pieces of the holidays that is really important to me personally is I'm a baker. And so the ability to bake Christmas cookies, to make desserts that might go to parties and stuff, that's still really important to me. So I'm going to find ways to make that happen, even though I'm not necessarily going to have the same holidays that I would normally want to pursue. But I know that's a priority. And the thing that's fascinating for me, and people think this is so wild, Baking actually like reduces my anxiety and takes me to my happy place. And where other people say like, wow, you have to bake so many cookies. Like, well, I don't have to bake so many cookies. Once again, one of those important check-ins, it's I love baking and a lot of cookies happen to be produced because of that process. So that's where I've sat down and prioritized. What do I want to make sure happens this year for myself? The baking's still important. Other big things, you know, hosting a big family unit, not going to happen this year. Well, once again, by sitting down and looking through that, rather than being disappointed, creating a plan makes it so much less stress-inducing. So let's take that to talking to our kids, because our kids might have a different idea. You just mentioned, like, you love baking, and we might we might also be a baker, right? And expect that our kids will do that with us, and that they will be happy doing it, that they get joy from that. And that might not be the case or, you know, whatever the tradition, me, I love getting the Christmas tree baking. I could take it or leave it. But when I started talking (laughs) to my kids, I found out that was important to them. Now it wasn't important that they were crazy decorative, you know, crazy kind of decorated cookies. We make sugar cookies and chocolate chip cookies, Mm -hmm. but it was just that time. And I, and I think it was also because that was a day that we spent together as family in the midst of all the preparations where we're not spending time as family. Everybody's running around trying to get things done. And so we're actually not seeing each other, but baking meant we're all in the kitchen together, except Mm -hmm. for my hubby who would run through and try and snatch dough from the cookies and get his (laughs) fingers whacked. But to him, that was also fun. That was a really important tradition to him to be whipping through the kitchen, trying to get cookie dough. 
So I think, I think we tend to forget that our kids have opinions about this too. And I'm curious because you do family therapy and Mm -hmm. you work with teens. What do you hear from them? Like what stresses them out about the holidays? Oftentimes what stresses teenagers out the most when it comes to the holidays is their parents and the expectations (laughs) of the family. Yeah, I know it's, it's got a giggle with it, but they see their parents going into this kind of overload phase. They see their parents trying to figure out how to spend lots of money on Christmas presents or, or trips during the holidays. And they see that anxiety in their parents trying to, once again, go back to that perfect holiday, and it stresses them out. And the thing that's fascinating, especially when you look at adolescents and young adults, is their needs may not be quite as big as it was when they were little littles, okay? And so mom and dad may still be trying to create that younger version of Christmas where everything had to be done, where this year, if you actually sat down with a teenager, they might be like, could we do a little bit less? Or could we maybe the day after Christmas plan to go skiing? Or could we do something where, you know, we have some quiet time during the holidays? A lot of times when I hear from kids, the biggest stressors is watching their parents stress out about the holidays. Interesting. So this idea of having a family conversation about what do we want our holidays to look like would go a long way toward alleviating that stress. Are there other things that we as parents could do to help alleviate our kids' stress around the holidays? Well, I think definitely push against that, you know, more is better philosophy and try and simplify everything. And maybe during this type of family meeting or gathering, let everybody have some input on what we're going to do. You know, maybe one of your kids saw a thing where a local center is doing like a Christmas show. It's like, I think this year we should go to the Christmas show. Or maybe one of your other kids is like, I want us to, you know, put together small gifts that we can donate to a local organization. One of them may say like, it's really hard, you know, when we try and buy, you know, a million gifts for each other, can we just buy one gift each this year? Your kids are actually pretty wise. And if you give yourself some space to listen to what their needs and wants are, you might be surprised at how how simple they can be. And that we tend to try and overcomplicate those conversations. And if we can get to those simpler core things of what would make a really beautiful holiday for each other, that helps relieve stress as well. Okay. So what about outside the family? Because there are a lot of expectations out there too, right? The, the school Christmas and Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and solstice and... Um, there's just myriad holidays going on right now. Yeah. There are. There's lots of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on it. There is. Right. So, right. So we have the school doing all these different holiday things. We have every activity, every organization they're in doing them, our own. You know, our own activities, our own organizations and things we want to do. Like my book club, we get together. I love getting together with them. However, they might not be at the top of my priority list. So how do we and how do we help our kids deal with the outside pressures and expectations and activities and things? What can we do about that? Well, I think one of my biggest suggestions to anyone who's feeling stressed during the holiday is to look at your schedule and simplify it. Um. Everyone always says, oh, my schedule, my schedule, my schedule is just controlling my life. 
And the thing I always like to point out to everybody is like, well, you do realize you're the one who created your schedule. So that means that you could alter it or simplify it. Um, some people see like a hectic holiday schedule as you know, proof that they're doing the holidays fantastic. But what I suggest to them that it may also be a major cause of stress in their life. And if we can look at that and maybe simplify or reduce the number of commitments that you see on that schedule and you bring it down to just the essential ones, you know, spending time with my book club and doing our holiday thing, really essential for me. Um, you know, going to see Santa at the mall, not as essential for anybody in the family anymore. Let's cut that out. Driving out to see the Christmas lights the night before Christmas. That's a big one in our family, okay? That's on my essential list. But making sure that we have a big Christmas brunch has fallen off my essential list years ago. So looking at that schedule and figuring out what's the essential ones, what are the ones that bring you that deepest joy and that deepest happiness? And then letting some of the rest slip away and leave room for some downtime and some fun and some simplicity rather than feeling everything has to be an ace number one, 10 activity. And taking different pieces of what you said and uh, assembling them in a slightly tangential way, another thought that came to me when you were talking about that was kind of handling other people's expectations. You know, you said doing the big brunch has gone off your list. But if I look at my list and go, okay, this brunch causes me a lot of stress, but it also brings me a lot of joy. So you can do the brunch, but do it differently. Make it a potluck or have it catered in or just let other people know. Like we host Thanksgiving for my husband's family at our house every year. We, we do one day, we do Thanksgiving with my family and then we do Thanksgiving with his. And when the shift was happening, I said, I'm happy to have it at our house. As long as you guys understand that this is what it's going to be like, <laughs> like this is going to mm -hmm. be very laid back. If something doesn't work out right, we're ordering pizza. This is the joy of having Thanksgiving the day after the restaurants, everything's <laughs> open. I'm right. like, I don't know how clean my house will be. You know, I'm going to be out of town the day before, maybe two days before. But the point was to get everybody together. And that's what we all really wanted was just to get everybody together. And so everyone went fine. You know, we'll kind of potluck Thanksgiving. We just said, this is what we're making. This is what we're doing. And you guys get what you get. And so we managed everybody else's expectations mm -hmm. around what they would find, but still got to do the activity that was important to us. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, you hear that key word communication, because what if, everyone has been sensing for all these years that you trying to create a full Thanksgiving spread that day after has been causing you so much anxiety and they walk in the house and feel that stress. But then once you finally said, hey, let's do a potluck and now they arrive at your house and you're in a good mood and you're laughing and everyone has a better time. That's the thing about communication is it opens up these channels for us to make change that's gonna be effective and powerful in our lives and ease everybody's stress. Okay, so we're kind of talking about this and assuming that we have a conversation and these are generally people we're pretty close to, so it's going really well. But going back to those outside forces, right, there can be a lot of pressure of we need you to come into the school and do this and that's got to happen. I know you're really big on setting boundaries, John. Can you give us <laughs> some tips for doing that, for, for 
you know, once we've talked to our family said, this is what we want, like now we need to walk the walk and mm-hmm. we're going to get pushback from the rest of the world. They're used to us doing what we have always done. And it is going to tip over their apple cart when we do it differently. And people don't like that. So how do we set those healthy boundaries and hold them? Well, for me, it's always the first thing is we have to decide what those boundaries are. And then we have to be comfortable with the stress of implementing them. So a lot of times I'll work with people and we'll say like, okay, so how do you set boundaries? And we'll set the ability that, you know, you have the right to your own time. You have the ability to, you know, express what your needs, wants, and are. Um, And then what we'll do is we'll actually practice them together. So we'll say, okay, so I'm someone who has called you up and asked you to attend this event. And usually the first thing I hear back from people is like, oh, well, you know, I think we have another thing we have to do that night. So I'm not going to be able to attend your event. And I'm so sorry. And if the schedule changes, we'll make sure I get back to you. What I do is I say, okay, let's pause there. Because the ultimate most powerful way to set a boundary is to say, thank you so much for your invitation, but we are not going to be able to attend. It's simple. It's clear. It's concise. And that's a really challenging thing to do. And so if we can learn to clarify what the healthy boundary is for us inside, we're going to be able to express our needs clearly and concisely. And when you can do that with authenticity and not walk away with like these big like alarm bells going off in your brain, that's when you're going to know that you've learned the skill of setting boundaries in a healthy way. And I find that when you are setting boundaries based on your true priorities, sitting down and looking at the holiday season and having that conversation with yourself, with your loved ones, friends, family, whoever is involved and looking at that and going, what's really, really important to us. After you've walked through that and hashed through it and figured it out, I find that it's usually easier for all of us to hold that boundary because we do know it's important. I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes we get, we try to set a boundary, but we don't really know why we're doing it. Or it's just kind of like, well, I'm feeling stressed and I got to stop doing something. So I'm just going to sort of randomly say no to something, or I'm going to say no to the next invitation that comes in. And we don't know why we're doing it, but having that, that deep conversation with people first, I think gives you more, more power behind a very polite, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I always encourage people too is be willing to be your best and biggest champion. Um, A lot of times we'll go to bat for other people to help them. But when it comes to boundary setting, we need to be comfortable with saying that I matter, I count, I'm going to be a champion for myself. And that's a big transition for a lot of people. Once you can ease yourself into that awareness, the boundary setting does become much easier. And especially like you say, if you've sat down and you have clarified for yourself, what are my boundaries and why are they important to me? And we need to pass that on to our kids. I think for parents who might be having difficulty thinking, oh, I could never do this. I can't stand up to Uncle Joe. I can't tell my mother no. My friends and I have done this forever. Think about 
the stress you're feeling and how you're feeling about this season, which is supposed to be one of light and love. And think, is that what you want your child to feel as they go out Mm -hmm. into the world? Because they're going to do what you did. That's our default is to do what we saw, or they're going to turn into, as you said at the beginning, John, trying to fix everything that was wrong with it. (laughs) And what we really want to do is we want to model for them how do we actually create the real dream? How do we Mm -hmm. create the reality of fallible, normal human beings enjoying a a beautiful time of year? Right. And, you know, you said something interesting that I just want to kind of rephrase a little bit. You said stand up to Uncle Joe. And what I think with boundary setting, when we're really comfortable with it, we stand by the side of Uncle Joe and say, hey, look, this is what's happening. We're going to pass this year. So we're not like battling some big demon. We're talking from one person to another real person and just letting this, this change, this difference, this need be known. And I think that's important too for kids to witness the idea that setting boundaries doesn't have to be controversial that, and doesn't have to be you know, something that is, is an attack or a fight but that it can come from this really well thought out place. And imagine if your kids witness you doing that, how they're going to start learning how to set boundaries, you know, in their own world and how effective that can be for their own growth and their own stress relief. I, I love that. And it takes me back to before I started my work in stress relief and had hit a wall myself and I didn't know what else to do at the time, but I knew I couldn't take on anything else. So at school, which was the common thing, because my kids were very young and there's always, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do the other thing? I just started saying, I, I appreciate you asking me and I need to say no right now. I just have so much happening personally that I need to be on no. And Mm -hmm. it was, as you said, it wasn't this confrontational. It wasn't them trying to push me. Actually, the responses that I got from people were very sympathetic. And there was a lot of, are you okay? What's going on? And I'd be like, yeah, we're fine. There's no big tragedy or anything. I just said, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. And they're like, okay, I totally get that. And so there was there beyond no confrontation. There was a lot of support and a lot of empathy and just caring. So it was, it was a beautiful thing. The other thing that I've discovered for myself that was such an eye opener is I do, I have really good, clear, strong boundaries and I'm able to implement them in a very, you know, heartfelt, compassionate way. The thing that's grown out of that too, though, is when I say a yes to someone, they absolutely know that I will follow through and be there a hundred percent. There's an organization that I volunteer for and they'll ask me for stuff. They'll ask me if I want to be involved in something and I'll say, no, I don't think I can do that at this time. But whenever I give them a yes, the person in charge there knows that means that I will be there and I am committed to it because that's the other thing that happens for a lot of people when we push these boundaries too far, when we try and overdo our holidays or do overdo anything in our life, we actually become less dependable to the people that we're trying to please. And so if we can take that back and simplify and take on fewer things, then the people that we're doing before will know that we are a dependable person, that we will follow through on our commitment rather than at the last minute 
you know, oh, we're having a school bake-off. Can you bake some cupcakes? You're like, absolutely. You have no time. So you end up going to the store and buying store-bought cupcakes and throw them on the table. You've disappointed them. You've disappointed yourself. You've disappointed maybe your kids. But when you learn to set boundaries effectively, then when you say yes, the people around you will know that you are going to follow through on that. I love that positive outcome because it's not easy to learn to do something new, to be different in the world. Although honestly, I think when it comes to setting boundaries and saying no, it is much easier than we think it is. I, <laughs> I think that, well, as I said, with my experience, you know, when I, did it, I thought I was going to get pushed back and I didn't. And I hear that often from clients. They're like, that went so well. Or we had a great conversation afterward because you're not trying to manipulate people and you're not putting yourself in that, as you said, over overworked, overstressed, overcommitted space. So I, I love these tips and suggestions, John. You are always so helpful. So for listeners who want to hear more from you, where can they find you? So the best place to find me is on my website, which is www.johnsovec.com. That's J-O-H-N-S-O-V-E-C. And you can also find me over on Instagram at John Sovec Therapy. Great. Well, thank you again, John, for joining us today and for sharing these wonderful insights and tips with us. Thanks. And everybody who's listening, please have the most amazing, beautiful, powerful, loving, compassionate holiday you could possibly have. I love that. I love that. And one more way to do that. Remember, Trumi, Trumi.com. They've got your back. They even gave you the extra discount. If you use Mighty Parenting in all caps, you get $50 off your phone. Check it out. It's fascinating to me to see how much we can support our kids in not just protecting them or setting restrictions, but actually helping them learn to live in a healthy way with digital technology and do it all without taking a huge bite out of your wallet. And remember, if you're here, you're listening, you are a mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. 